Yeah, that's good stuff right there. Hey, we can all just go home, right? We just believe. It's all good. Well, good morning, everyone. It's nice to have you all here with us. Y'all look beautiful up here. Hello to all of you joining us online this morning as well. Hey, can I have a Pop-Tart for those of you at home? Maybe you can have one delivered to me real quick or something. I'm kidding. That'd be kind of cool if it actually showed up, wouldn't it? Hey, before we get started today, I just want to invite everybody who might be uh, taking the next step with us as a church. Uh, If you're considering it, uh, maybe you're considering becoming a member of First Baptist, and so I want to invite you to uh, our membership class today at 4.30 in room 113 out in the small fellowship hall. Uh, It's going to be a great opportunity for you to get to know the pastor bald head up here, all right? And so let's have a conversation about the vision of our church and and what's important to us and why we do ministry a certain way and and what we believe about certain doctrines of the faith. It's a lot of fun. It's a great time to connect. I want to encourage you, if if that's where you're at, if you want to take your commitment to the next level, come out today, 430, room 113. Also, I want to just take a quick moment to uh, just say, if you've been watching the news as of yesterday, you probably caught on to that, uh, that Israel's under war. It's kind of a sad thing. It uh, doesn't surprise us, though, because everybody over there hates Israel. And, uh, yeah, so yesterday, the Hamas, Palestinian militant Islamic group, the Sunnis, they uh, launched rockets at Israel. And you probably saw on the news, President Netanyahu said, we declare war on you. Folks, it's kind of serious, but, uh, you know, we're watching from our side of the world and President Biden did exactly what he should have done, and that was to say, Israel, we stand with you. And so if you would, in your prayer time today, at lunchtime and at dinner time, if you would just remember our brothers and sisters in the faith, uh, God's chosen people, they're just missing one thing. They just refuse to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Other than that, they believe in the same God we do. So uh, keep them in your prayer. And... uh, and, and be thinking about them. We got American friends over there that are trying to get out. And uh, it's just tense time over in the Middle East right now. So keep them in your prayer today. In fact, I'm going to ask you if you'll join me in a word of prayer right now. Father, we just uh, we start off our service today to, to say, Lord, we, we, we celebrate you. We praise you. We need you. And, and God, you're calling us to, to, to step out in faith with you. And so Lord, we celebrate that today. But Lord, we also lift up in prayer today. Uh, our allies in the nation of Israel, people who love you. And so, God, I pray somehow that you just keep working into their mind that uh, Jesus is Lord and do what you can do, Lord. And But we pray for their safety today. Uh, it's tense over there, and they're fighting for their lives, and we're, we're so uh, passionate about, about, about supporting them. But, God, we also pray for those who have lost their lives, those who have been taken captive and into into hostage situations, Lord, it's just, it's, it's just brutal and it's sad, but the compassion of your heart is for those people. So, Lord, we just lift them up to you today. God, we come alongside of them and say that we care because, God, you care. So, Lord, we just lift them to you today. Protect them, guide them, do what you do best. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. We love our family and friends in the Middle East and especially the nation of Israel. So keep them in your prayers today, all right? You, y'all promise? Say, uh-huh. All right, the seven of you will. Okay, thank you. Well, we are in a series called The Miracles of Jesus, and we're going to jump back into the New Testament today. 
Last week, we took a small pause. We, we looked about a, 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 a miracle that God did in the Old Testament through King Jehoshaphat. And uh, if you missed it, it was wonderful. And so I'd like to invite you to go back, watch the message. We received a ton of positive feedback from last week. And, and as most of you know, 2023 is our year of strengthening. We're saying that here at First Baptist. And so last week was one of those messages, if you missed it, that it would really strengthen your faith. So it's available on our YouTube page, FBCFO, or you can listen to it, the podcast from our church website, all right? But today we're going to talk about a miracle that is probably familiar to you if you've been in the church for any length of time, and and it's the miracle when Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead. So if you have your Bible, you can turn to the book of John chapter 11, all right? And as we look at this miracle today, we're going to see it from a different vantage point. And, And here's the idea today, that whenever Jesus walks into an environment, no matter how dead something is, when he comes into it, there is potential for dead things to come to life. All right, And so I think it's very important that we recognize this and that we also recognize that in this story, you're going to see today that Lazarus was dead for four days before Jesus shows up. Now, when you're dead for four days, you're dead, 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 dead. Quadruple dead. That means you're not just taking a snooze. You're dead. So today, Jesus is going to walk into a funeral. It reminds me of this story uh, when a pastor was, was given a graveside service uh, for one of his church members, and, and one lady brought her little son to the to service, and so the pastor read from Genesis chapter 3, and in that text, he says, from dust you came, and to dust you will return. So everyone enjoyed the service. It's a very nice graveside, and everybody, as you know, at a graveside, they give their hugs and their kisses, and, and everybody goes home to their, to their lives. Well, later that afternoon, the the little guy was playing in his bedroom, and and he made some forts in his bedroom. Remember the days when we did that before, cell phones and electronics, right? We made forts, and we put blankets and all that stuff over the bed. And so he's in there. He's playing in his fort, flashlights going all over the place, and he notices where the walls come together in the corner of his room under his bed, there's a pile of dust in the corner. So he yells at the top of his lungs, Mom! And the mother comes running into his room, opens the door. She sees that he's under the bed and says, Honey, what's wrong? Mommy's here. And he says, Mom, there's a pile of dust in the corner. And I can't tell if the guy's coming or going. Okay, then that's all I have today, so let's go ahead and go home, all right? Let's end on a good note. All right. John chapter 11, so the story picks up prior to Lazarus' death. Now, starting in verse 1. Now, a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary, and her sister Martha. Verse 2. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same woman who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So let's stop real quick. So what we're getting here is that this verse gives us a confirmation of a previous relationship that Jesus had with this family. In verse three, the sister sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. So now at this point, we also gain that, uh, that they called him Lord, meaning that they knew that he was the Messiah. Now, we don't know what the depth of the relationship is. We just know that there was a close friendship. Verse 4. 
So when he heard this, Jesus said, now let me stop real quick, congregation. Jesus is in a completely different place than the sisters are. Jesus isn't talking to the sisters. He's talking to the disciples when he gets word of the news. He's in a different place. And so he says to his disciples, guys, this sickness will not, it will not what church? End in death. So here's what's interesting here. That story is actually going to help us today in our lives. Because for us, we have the perspective of Mary and Martha. We have a brother that we love. He's sick. It's not looking good. Now, Jesus, on the other hand, he's sharing with his disciples over here a divine intervention plan that's going to happen when he shows up. Mary and Martha have no idea what Jesus is saying to his disciples in real time. In fact, Jesus goes on to say to his disciples, he's not going to die. In fact, he says right here in the text, no, it is for God's glory so that God's son may be glorified through it. All of us, we identify with the sisters. We have their mindset The world is coming apart, right? Things are happening. I don't like it. I'm afraid. It's not looking good, whatever the case may be. But Jesus, he is still alive and he is still working in our lives behind the scenes, even when we don't see it taking place. And so I think it's important for us to point this out in scripture and to state this fact. Jesus is often working even though we don't perceive it. Amen? Okay, now with that being said, I have a confession to make to you this morning. I know you're going to be a little bit disappointed, I'm sorry, but congregation, I am not a superhero. It's true. I do not have any superpowers. Just so you know, for all of you guys who are new, you're following a guy who does not have any superpowers, all right? I do not have the ability to drive down San Juan Avenue on my way north, and get all of the lights green. I don't have that ability. I also don't have the ability to write a message based on your personal life. I know some of you probably think that I keep looking through the windows of your house, but I promise you I'm not. Okay, I don't have that ability. But I do have this ability, and so do you. I can see dead people. It's true. Whenever I go shopping, I see dead people walking around. Whenever I'm driving out on I-80, I see dead people driving 95 miles an hour right next to me. Some of you got it. Okay, good. Man, I can't get anything by you guys. When I go to Home Depot or Lowe's, right? People in there, dead people. Even when I come to church, I sometimes see dead people, and so do you. Because as we're going to see today, and it's in your outline, is that you can be dead while you live. Yes, you can be dead while you live. You can be living on the outside, but on the inside, be dead. And it's a biblical idea. In your notes, if you see 1 Timothy 5, 6, says this, but the widow who lives for pleasure is dead even while she lives. All of us, we have the potential to be alive on the outside, but dead on the inside. You know, in other words, I could pinch you, 
and you would say, ow. And then you'd pinch me back, right? I could kick you, and you would say, ow. And then you'd kick me back, and I would say, ow. Right? We could have all the sensations of life, and yet on the inside still be dead. One of the things that we learned during COVID is that a lot of relationships have died. And we're going to see more and more of this as time goes by in the mental health area. But some folks who, who chose to distance themselves and hibernate and all that stuff, well, well, they're starting to see that some of the relationships that they had prior to COVID have died. They've disappeared. They're gone. In fact, in, with marriages, there are couples sitting in churches together across the world today, and the first reaction that we say about couples sitting in church is, oh, isn't that nice? But the truth is, for some of them, their marriage is not what Genesis talks about, where the two are one. In fact, for them, the verse is that just means they're two living under the same roof. They're just roommates. The relationship isn't really alive. It's dying or could even be dead. And yet on the outside, they're living. Then you pull up to a person who's driving a really nice car. And you go, wow, nice car. But inside, when you look at the driver, he's dead. Because this person's strategy probably is, I'm not going to assume it's always the case, but it probably could be, hey, make all you can, can all you can get, and then sit on your can. It's true. Just make a bunch of money. And yet they're sitting in that very slick car, empty and dead on the inside. You could be dead while you live. And if I were to summarize John chapter 11, verses 5 through 16, it would be this. Jesus tells the disciples, hey guys, Lazarus isn't dead. He's just asleep. And we need to go to him. And the disciples are like, whoa, Lord Jesus, whoop. Pause, time, hit the brakes. The last time we were there, the people there tried to kill you. And (laughs) let's not go back there. Let's say we did, but let's not. Let's just pray for Lazarus. He'll be okay. And Jesus is like, no, guys, we we need to go. There's a greater work to be done. So I want to talk about some of the people in this story now as we transition. Let's talk about how we can identify with them because we have the same struggles in our life. In your outline, you see three different death traps. And the first person we're going to look at is the guy by the name of Thomas. And what is Thomas known for, church? Doubt. That's right. So number one in your outline, Thomas was dead in his doubts. And remember, Thomas is one of the disciples. He does not want to make the trip from where they're at back to where Lazarus is in Judea, and to go to Mary and Martha's house. And yet in verse 16, here's what Thomas says. So then Thomas, also known as P. Diddy, as Didymus, said to the rest of the disciples, yeah, let's also go. That way we can die with him. Now, can you see the sarcasm in his voice? It's kind of like, fine, let's all go, and we can all die with him. So see here, there's this doubt that Thomas has, and so he was dead in it. Now, church, I ask you, do you ever feel that way? Where you're just overwhelmed in life and doubts just come at you like a tidal wave in your mind? Is that ever you? I know it's me sometimes. 
And as a believer, we come to church and we sing the songs and we read the verses and we say, praise Jesus. And we say, amen, when the pastor says something funny. And then we get in our car, we hit the stoplight, we make a left or a right, and we go to our homes. And then Monday morning, life smacks us in the mouth. And consequently, we don't feel very close to God anymore like we did when we were sitting in this room. And then we start to wonder if he loves us, if he cares, or if he's even there at all. It's like we believe the Bible theologically, but in our spirit there are those times when we don't perceive it, and we just have this real struggle, just like Thomas, and we doubt. Second one, if you see if you identify with this, is that Martha, she was dead in her delay. When you need a miracle in your life, when do you need it? Yesterday. Right now, is too late, right? We need it yesterday. And that's the case with Martha. She was dead in her delay. Look with me at verse 17. On his arrival, Jesus found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now skip down to verse 21. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had just been here, my brother would not have died. In other words, God, I need you to show up and intervene when called upon. Not two hours from now, not tomorrow, not next week, pronto. In fact, yesterday would have been even better. So I wouldn't have to call upon you right now. You should have known I needed it. And I've said this to you guys before. Whenever we pray, church, God always answers our prayers. Every single last prayer, God answers. Now, he always gives us one of three answers. He's going to give us the answer of yes, and when that happens, all's good. Sometimes we get no, and most of us can handle that most of the time. And then the third one is wait. Now, there is nothing awesome about wait. We don't like waiting for anything in our life. We're not interested in waiting for our food at the restaurant. We're not interested in waiting for our prescriptions at the pharmacy. Can I get an amen? Okay, we're not interested in waiting for our friends and we're sure as heck not interested in waiting for our family to get dressed in the morning so we can get out the door. And if we're really honest, we're not interested in waiting on God either. And so when we do, we see God taking his sweet time. Here's what we do. We try to prod him along and give him some help. Right? We want God to meet our needs on our timetable. And many times when we pray for restoration and we pray for healing and all these kinds of things, God just puts us right into wait mode. Delay. Martha was dead in her delay. We don't like delay either. We want things right now. Number three in your outline. The other sister, Mary. Mary was dead in her discouragement. Go back to verse 20. Here's what happens here. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went out to meet him. But Mary, what did she do, church? She stayed at home. So she shut the blinds. She went and got in her bed, pulled her covers up over her head and cried. Why? Because she was discouraged. Her brother has been dead for four days and she is at a place where she is completely without hope. And it didn't matter that Jesus showed up today. She could care less. He was too late to the ball game. 
And oftentimes in our lives, we feel the exact same way that Mary does. Discouragement rushes in on us like a wave. Maybe for you, you've tried to get help and overcome the obstacle in front of you. You try and you try and you still fail and you're like, man, forget this. I give up. And it's like the harder you try to rise above it, then the more you fail. And then the more you fail, the more it hurts. And so this, this cycle repeats. And so you feel so much discouragement and, and you don't even want to go anymore. And so we experience doubt and delay and discouragement. So I'm just going to pause for a moment, friends. I want to ask you, what in your life is dead or dying? I'd like you to identify that this morning. What is your Lazarus? What do you need Jesus to bring back to life? And then the next question that follows that is, is it possible for Jesus to walk into your personal situation and for you to experience the kind of life that he wants for you to have? I believe it is. And then the next question after that is, well, what changes need to be made in order for that to actually take place? And as you sit there and you identify that, you, my friend, have to own that. So drop down now to verse 33. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with, with, with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in his spirit and was troubled. And it's important for us to note here, remember, for the sisters, their brother was dead. And Jesus had told the disciples a couple of days ago, completely different scene. Hey, Lazarus' sickness, he's not going to end in death. So now Jesus has showed up to the funeral, and there are these tears. And Jesus doesn't walk into the show and go, hey, everybody, stop crying. I have arrived. Now check this out. This is going to blow your mind. You ready for this? That's not what he does. Look again at verse 34. He's moved, he's compassionate, and he says, with, with a troubled heart, where have you laid him? Come and see, Lord, they replied. In verse 35, Jesus wept. Shortest, book, uh, shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. He showed compassion. He felt what they feel, just like he does for us. He feels what we feel. He knows what we think. And even, even though Jesus already knew what he was going to do, he still had compassion on the people. And see, there are seasons in life for us when we have doubt and delay and discouragement, and Jesus still wants to comfort us. Jesus sits at the right hand of the Father in heaven, church, and Scripture tells us that he's even praying for us. How cool is that? Even though we're experiencing these tidal waves of life and, and the storms and the mountain and the obstacles, however you want to describe it as we've been talking about through this sermon series, listen, whatever your situation is, Jesus still cares. He loves us, and he has this massive load of compassion for us, even though he knows what he's going to do in the future. 
And scripture tells us that Jesus not only came to seek and to save the lost, but he also came, and you see it in your outline here, Jesus came so you could live. Jesus came so you could live. Not just so that you could live in heaven in the future when you leave this earth. And by the way, if Jesus is your Lord, praise Jesus that you've asked him to be Lord of your life. Because that's how you were saved. But Christ desires so much more for us right here and right now on earth while we're still living. Look at John chapter 10 verse 10. He says, the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. That's the job description of the enemy. But here's Jesus' proclamation. He says, but I have come that they may have life and have it, what church? To the full. Not just to exist on earth and not just to exist for a future heaven, but to actually live life to the fullest now. We call it the abundant living. In our world, we may call it thriving, right? Thriving under the grace of God. Thriving because the power of the Holy Spirit, the exact same power that raised Christ from the dead, now lives in the heart of every single believer. And we can experience that power in our lives here on earth, everybody. We can have life to the fullest because of God. We can experience the fruit of the Spirit, the love, the joy, the peace, and all the rest. We can experience a life of purpose because of what Jesus has done, even in the midst of the adversity that we experience in our storms. And I don't know if the, how it is for you, but with all the negativity going out, out there in the world, the stuff we read about in the news, the stuff we read on social media, the war in Israel, the war in Ukraine, COVID stuff, all the political slandering, all the stuff. Man, it's just so heavy sometimes. And when I was going through my message this morning, it's like, Lord, I need a fresh touch. God, I need you to intervene from heaven and do something. So here's the big idea. In your outline, you see this. Stop dressing like a dead person. Congregation, hear me this morning. Those of you watching online, hear me. Jesus came to give us life. He came to walk into our lives and bring dead things back to life. He can walk into a, a, the life of a guy who's been dead for four days, Lazarus, and bring him back to life. Why? Because he and he alone has the authority over life and death. He's God. He's the one who gave Adam the breath of life at the time of creation. And all of us, we receive the breath of life because of him. All through God's sovereignty. Jesus is Lord over all of creation. And that means he can walk into your specific environment. Whatever it is, if it's dying or if it's dead, he can bring life back into it. So congregation, as you get your mind around that, can we celebrate that this morning, amen? 
Give God some praise and thank him for what his power is. All right, amen. So stop dressing like a dead person. Stop speaking like a dead person. Stop thinking like a dead person. Stop acting like a dead person. And might I even encourage you with some boldness today, be very careful and intentional when you hang around other dead people. Because who you run with in this life is going to make you or break you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15 that bad company corrupts good character. So be very careful who you allow to influence your life. Jesus wants to bring life back into your dying or dead situation. Now look with me at verse 43. When he had said this, Jesus called in a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. Pause. Do you guys remember the Carmen song back in the 80s? Lazarus. I've always wanted to preach on this message and do the voice. Yes. Okay. Verse 44. (laughs) Lazarus. Jesus? Lazarus. Jesus. Lazarus. Awesome. All right. Verse 44. The dead man came out, his hands and feet wrapped with strips of linen and a cloth around his face. Jesus said to them, take off the grave clothes and let him go. I came across this interesting statistic this week as I was studying for a future sermon series. And I was studying about how we think as humans. And and the article said that the average person has around 30,000 thoughts a day. And some of you are thinking, Pastor, you don't know who I'm married to. And you can take that however you want. Right? The ladies are saying, my husband hasn't had three thoughts in nine years. And the men are saying, 30,000? That's it? Man, that's nothing. (laughs) All right, now we got that out of the way. All right. So the study said that that 30,000 thoughts, and get a load of this, 70% of that 30,000 is negative. Man, just take that in for a moment. Negative. And Proverbs 23 says that as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. We've talked about that verse before. Because remember, it's thoughts, feelings, actions in that order. So my friends, I, I, I come to you today and I say, according to scripture, Jesus came to give you life. Stop dressing like a dead person. Stop thinking, stop talking, stop acting like a dead person. Stop hanging around dead people who reinforce dead thinking and dead speaking habits. Do what is necessary to allow Jesus to bring life back into your situation. Change the environment. Jesus walks into Lazarus' environment. He's been dead for four days. And he says to him, Lazarus, come out. And so I say to you today in love, my brothers and sisters, come out. You're not dead. You are alive. Leave the old nature behind you. Verse 25. Jesus said to her, 
I am the resurrection and the life. The one who believes in me will live even though they die. Verse 26. And whoever lives by believing in me will never die. Do you believe this? So in the story here, notice that the question is not, Mary, do you believe that I'm going to resurrect your brother? That's not what Jesus said. The question is a personal question. Do you believe that I'm the resurrection and the life? Jesus says that to us. So church, I ask you today, do you believe that Jesus is the resurrection? Do you believe this? And so here's what happens. We play church, don't we? We know the answers to the Bible questions. We can spiel it out pretty quick if we need to, especially if we've been coming to church for a while. And the church answer is, of course, Pastor Wayne, he's the resurrection and the life. That's great. I'm glad that you, you, you say that. But let me talk to your heart. Do you actually believe this in your world? Do you embrace that? Do you believe that to be true? Do you live it in your life Monday through Saturday off this property? We talk about that. How does that work in everyday life? Knowing that 70% of our thoughts are mostly negative. Because we're thinking and we're talking and we're acting like a dead person. So how does this all work? And yet we go to church and, and we hear the Bible and we agree with it and we know what the Bible says. And, and then we, we try to live like a person who's alive. But yet when Monday comes, we get hit with this tidal wave of doubt and delay and discouragement all over again. And so how do we break this cycle? How do we live and get that life to the fullest, that life abundantly that Jesus came to deliver us and to give us as a gift? How do we make all this work, Pastor Wayne? We're well, really glad you asked. Here's a little bit of help for that. Look with me in your outline, John chapter 8, verse 31. Jesus said this. So this is red text, folks, red text. Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Now, in your outline, I put this here for you. The word hold, it means to stay, like in a given place or a state or relation or an expectancy. Now, grab a hold of this today. And for those of you who are, who are here today and you feel like you really need this message and, and you need to change your thinking, listen, this will change your world. When life hits you and you experience the doubt and delay and discouragement and it becomes overwhelming to you because, you know, newsflash, we live in a broken world, okay? So when this happens, we need to recognize that God's promise is never will I leave you or forsake you. No matter how we're feeling, no matter what's going on, we need to remember that promise. Now, the old nature in your life, it wants you to instantly fall back into doubt and delay and discouragement. And so you have a choice on how you're going to respond when this happens. And it's in your outline. You're going to do one of two things. You're either going to escape or retreat back into darkness, okay, Thinking like a dead person, acting like a dead person, speaking like a dead person, where all the doubt and delay and discouragement runs wild in your mind and it overwhelms you and you end up just living like a dead person. 
or, or I can stay in the truth. I can stay in God's word and I can stay in his truth. And here is the great thing, that in the midst of your doubt and delay and discouragement, if you can continue to stay locked in on the word of God, the truth that comes to us through scripture and allow our minds to focus in on that and hold to it, much like the apostle Paul says, right? Hold every thought captive until it becomes obedient to Christ. If you can do that, and if you can stay in the same mindset and just live there, you won't retreat back into the darkness, and you will be in the right place. You will avoid thinking like a dead person. And then after you're there, now John 8, 32 becomes a reality. Here's what Jesus says. Then... After you hold on to his word, then you will know the truth. And the truth will, what church? Set you free. And for you Greek lovers out there, the Greek word here for the word know is gnoskos. Okay? And gnoskos literally means to understand something. It's that aha moment. You know what I'm talking about. It's that time when you're like, Oh, dude, yes, now I get it. (laughs) Right? You've had those times. That's what that word means. That's what that subject means, whatever the case means. Now, hear me, friends. You will not, 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 not have that aha moment where you gnoskos the truth If you make the choice to retreat back to the darkness where feeling overwhelmed with doubt and delay and discouragement happens, you will not know what Jesus is talking about here. You will not be set free. And that is exactly what Mary did. She didn't even go out to meet Jesus. She retreated. Listen to me, friends. Don't do that. I encourage you. Stay laser locked into the truth of God's word. Live at that spot and allow his word to wash over you and fill you and and breathe life into you and give you all the good stuff that God wants to teach you. Remember, Jesus said, you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. In other words, you will experience the joy and the peace and the confidence and all the work of the Holy Spirit in your life that only he can give you. So in that moment, you'll go, aha, this, this is what it feels like to have the peace that passes all understanding. Because in my past, my mind would be spinning out of control and I would be all over the place. But instead, I have the full confidence that God You are with me, and you will never forsake me. My friends, I say to you today with pastoral love, everything inside of us wants to return to darkness. That's how we're wired. It wants us to choose the path to think and talk and speak and act like a dead person. That's what what it wants us to do. We can do that, or we can live in the Spirit. 
And we can choose to allow Christ to come into our individual environment and take over. Even when we don't understand what he's doing, even when it doesn't make sense, and even when we're feeling overwhelmed, when this happens, we just pause in that moment and we lock in on what God's word says. And when we do that, you will know the truth and your life will be set free. You will experience Jesus, the Lord of life, in a whole new way. And you will experience life abundantly. Does that sound good? I know it sounds good. And people are going to think you're crazy. People are going to think you need therapy. But you won't need therapy. You're just going to want more of Jesus. Amen? Congregation, I'm going to invite you to stand and pray with me this morning. God, we just come before you and we just thank you for your grace and for your mercy today, God, and for the blessings that you give us and and all of the things that, that we don't deserve, but you just lavish upon us because of your goodness to us. Father, we come before you today with just sometimes a heavy heart with our situations and the things that in life that are overwhelming us and making us have a, a spirit of delay and doubt and discouragement. So God, we just submit those to you today. Father, with what's going on in the world, we just need a fresh touch from you. God, we need that moment where you bring us back to life into these dead areas. So Father, I lift up all of us here watching online. God, we know that you are the God who can do amazing things. Father, we know that you raised Lazarus from the dead. And we remember your resurrection as well. And God, for those of us who are believers in this place today, we have your power living in our hearts, the power of the Holy Spirit, and we just say thank you. Father, we pray for our dead and dying situations. We lift those to you today, Lord. We ask for boldness. We ask for confidence, God, this morning. That all of us who are struggling will just allow you to come into our life and heal it. Lord, that we will have the strength to remain in you and to receive the power that you want to give us. God, would you just allow your truth to wash over our lives and, and fill us, fill our hearts and our minds with you, God. And congregation, maybe you're here today and, you, and you've never given your life to Christ. You've never responded to his calling on you. Jesus has been standing at the door of your life knocking for you to let him in and you've never let him in. And if that's you today, and if today's the day that you're ready to respond in faith to Jesus, I say to you, it's as simple as ABC. Just admit that you're a sinner and that you are in need of a savior. And believe in the Lord Jesus, that he is the Lord of all. He's the son of God. He died on the cross for your sins and he rose again from the grave. And you just confess him as Lord and Savior. The Bible says when you do that, he will enter in and he will make you his child. So if that's you today and you've never invited Christ in your life, just repeat this prayer silently after me. Just say, Lord Jesus, today I repent of my sins. I admit that I need you. I believe that you died on the cross. I believe that you rose again from the grave 
confess you today as Lord and Savior. Thank you for saving me, Lord Jesus. Help me to live my life for you and to follow you as you lead. In Jesus' name I pray. And all God's people said, amen. I'm really grateful that you came to church today, everybody. Today is the day that the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. Don't allow your life to be consumed by delay, doubt, and discouragement. Trust in the work of the Lord Jesus. Amen? As you're here today, maybe you want to respond in faith. I want to give you a couple of opportunities to do that before we dismiss. Number one, if you would fill out your connection card and and simply check the box on there that you would like to know more about following Jesus, you can bring that connection card to the connection kiosk, and we'll give you some resources to help you start your your faith in Christ. We've got a special bag just for you, different from the uh, visitor bag, but we want to connect with you and get you going, and, and we'll be in contact with you and, and, and help you get to know Jesus. But you might be also wanting to talk with somebody today. So over here to my left, your right, we've got some pastors and deacons over here that want to help you and get to, help you to get to know Jesus better. So do me a favor. Before you leave, just come over here and, and talk with one of us and let us help you get to know Jesus and get started on a relationship with Christ on the right foot. Jesus is what matters, church. Amen? Amen. Everything else is just details. The former pastor of this church used to tell me, Wayne, two things. Number one, don't sweat the small stuff in life. And number two, everything's small stuff. Good stuff, yeah. That being said, hey, God bless you today. Let's go be the church. We'll see you tonight. Have a great week.